Well, welcome back to the Dental and Mental Podcast. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2024. We're off to a ragingly good start. Hope you guys are too. And uh, we got some fun stuff for you today. We're going to be talking about some really cool, I think very practical things that every practitioner, every company deals with. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I do. I think um, today is going to be a really fun conversation around new year, new beginnings, and also bringing some things to a close. Uh, one of the things that, uh, just as a little caveat for you, I think that people are, you know, there's a lot of talk about resolutions. There's a lot of talk about goals and vision and things like that at this time of year. Um, just so you know, this podcast today will not be about that. It's not going to be as cliched as, as many of them are at this point in time. We're going to go some some different places. But uh, yeah, let's jump right in. What do you think? Fantastic. Well, I'm Dr. Davina Dietrich. And I'm Dr. Galen Dietrich. And we come here and we have conversations about the different aspects of dentistry, the dental component, the actual clinical practice and leading of a practice and the mental component, what it takes to sustain yourself as a leader and really run a team. I think the cool thing too, uh, for those of you guys that don't know, uh, you know, I focus more on the clinical side. Davina definitely focuses more heavily on the mindset side. But we overlap. You're a clinically trained dentist. You practiced for quite some time. You've had basically every position a person could ever have in a practice. And um, I have uh, gone through many a, many a mental. And, and you've done and you've done all the coaching training with me. Yeah. Flying out We've to insane destinations and workshopping and being led ourselves by other mentors. Yeah. So we have a lot of fun that way. But today, what we want to talk about, I think it's uh, it's something that's really near and dear to to my heart. I brought it up to Davina the other day. Um, we've been talking about this for a while now, um, actually for several years, about how to kind of better this side of things. But it's the idea of team and how you get a team to really align with your, not just your vision, but who you are as a person and, and to understand you, to see you for who you really are. Um, there's a disconnect there. A lot of times. And so, and I think it has to do with size of the team, ha- has to do with communication styles, has to do with leadership, um, so many different components. But I think this is a fun place to start because you've had your New Year's, you've had your time to kind of sit with, wow, where do you want to go in 2024? What do you want to change about what happened in 2023 that was disappointing? And maybe what you want to keep doing from that year? And your team wasn't there in your head listening to those things. And so you go back and they've all had their versions of that. And how do you harmonize that? That's such a hard thing, right? Yeah, for sure. I also think too, because as we're having that conversation around team, you can't really build anything in isolation. You Mm. have to have the right people supporting you. You have to all be rowing in the same direction. That's how a lot of these things get accomplished. Even if we talk about something as right uh, traditional as I want to lose weight, there is a team that you still recruit to be able to support you, whether it's online and you buy videos, whether you're ordering from a meal replacement service, whatever it is, you're still building a team when you're trying to accomplish something that you've never had before. Yeah. There's a, a recruitment process, right, of utilizing available resources and personnel to achieve what it is that you want. And ideally you're looking for a bunch of winners, right? You know, when you decide that you're going to go after a a fitness goal or a business goal or whatever, you typically go for people, you're trying to recruit people that 
really bring an A game to the mix. It's you think that <laughs> you think you think that, but how many times? How yeah. many times do we hire somebody because we know a guy? Yeah, that's true. Right, that's and true. they may not even be the best, but it's like so and so is available, or I know a guy, and we take a recommendation, and we don't do our due diligence, or we're just like, yeah, sounds great. There are a lot of times where we do bring somebody onto our team that we haven't properly vetted because it's coming at the right time when we need that person. It's Mm. like we really need somebody on our team and we'll take a warm body over a vetted A player. Yeah. I retract what I said. I like (laughs) We like I think it's important what you said because we like to think that we are Mm. vetting for A players. And the truth is sometimes we are just filling a seat with a warm body. There's a lot of complexity actually to that. Now that I'm really thinking about it, there's the desire that you have, right? And even that can get kind of murky. Like how many of us sit down and say, all right, um, we're expanding, let's say, or maybe one of your assistants is moving, you know, uh, or moving on. And so you got to replace this assistant. And you probably don't spend a lot of time thinking they need to have this, 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 and this in terms of personality and the overall candor of the team. They need to be able to fit and integrate into that. So what's the hole that's now missing? How can they supplement that? There's probably not a whole lot of thought process that goes into that. And I can vouch for that. Like Devin and I in our practice, we have 13, 14 team members and him and I. Mm-hmm. And so when you're dealing with that, and there's offices that are much smaller and offices much larger, but that is a, it's a very big machine. And so when we are losing one person, let's say, or a person is going to be moving on, I think one of the most difficult pieces is taking the time and slowing down and saying, how do we want to strategically hire for the next position? It's kind of like my schedule for the next two weeks is just bonkers right. and I need somebody now. Right? right. So it's more, maybe, maybe what you're getting a desperation kind of right. does more the dictation. Yeah. To your point, there's a schedule that needs to be filled and we're looking for somebody who can, you're like, can you assist? Can you pack cord? Can you work dentrix? Whatever it is like basic things. And then we don't actually look for, is this person going to elevate to the team? What are they bringing? Are they going to make me better? Is they, are they going to actually support me in getting to my goals and vision? Do I feel supported? as the dentist in my practice. We don't actually ask those things. And where I see it come out is when somebody is looking to hire, think about the, even like the ad that they put out is so generic, right? Mm, mm -hmm. And when those ads are put out and you're looking for somebody, it literally could be anybody. When the ads are written, do you know Dentrix? Do you like patients? Do you know how to assist? Must be, you know, x-ray certified. How many people respond? Versus when you're intentional about looking for somebody, it's like, these are the things that we love. We love talking about personal growth and development. This is a team that always consistently has goals top of mind. We have excellent service and we really strive to do that. We love people. We right like that reads very different than must know how to hold a suction. (laughs) Yeah. I think we struggle with this though. Most of the struggle is because there's a few factors that play. Um, and again, I'm speaking from from my experience of leading several teams now at this point. And one of them is there's a there's an innate complexity to leading a larger team than a smaller team. I've had it where it was just uh, myself and and Brittany, our our uh, 
great friend, a hygienist, assistant. She's done all the things for us. Yeah. Um, and that was really easy to work with, right? It was her and I. And so we were actually able to accomplish a great deal. I mean, had a very robust practice, one patient at a time. It was very zen, very orderly. But is that the real world? Is that the way most dentists practice? No. So once you expand that and you get to a team that's really, I think, anything larger than probably like three to four people, beyond three to four people, it starts to get a little bit different. It requires a different skill set in order to lead them. How many dentists do you think are actually trained that way? Like trained to lead a team. We, we talk about like case presentation, communication with patients. Even that we're not trained on. But what about leading a team? So I think that that comes over time and it compounds the leadership to lead a team that large. Okay. So from my perspective, I've been on the other side of it, not from the dentist side, but I've been an assistant and a hygienist. I was an assistant in an office that was really small. So the leadership there was easy. To your point, it was a very small team. So we're all on the same page, right? It really operated like a little family. Right. Then when I moved to a practice that had 20 plus employees, that was very different. But here was the thing. So I was a hygienist for six years and I practiced in a periodontal practice in Denver, Colorado. Bursman's Heller and Glick, absolutely incredible practice. I still had some of my best times in dentistry there because they had such strong leadership. And I think that started with Dr. Bursman and him really having a handle on that because he had been practicing for a really long time. He and, was the vice president too, right? Of ADA or something like that? Or yes. He was, he was high up somewhere. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Of, yep. Of the ADA. And then he had Dr. Heller, who was his nephew. So I think he really trained him on how to lead a team. So that was a really large team and it just ran so efficiently. And I absolutely loved working there because systems weren't breaking down. We actually had really good systems mm-hmm. and we had a North star as far as culturally what everybody was expected to do. And so it just, it just jammed. It just worked. Right. But that was, that's me coming from the perspective of being an employee in those places. Yeah. Yeah. It's different, obviously side of the coin to be in the leadership position. But at the same time, I think part of what, in what you've explained to me about this, because there's certain elements of that practice that we've tried to replicate ourselves because you have talked about it. So, in such a glorified manner, like it was really well done. And one of those pieces is that you, um, they were kind, but they weren't weak at all. Like these leaders were, you knew that they wanted your best, but they also expected your best. Absolutely. And for a person like me who really likes that, it was a fun bar to be able to hit. Yeah. It was really exciting because I got to learn different ways of how you challenge somebody without crushing them. Cause mm-hmm. that was my first job. One of my, one of my first jobs out of hygiene school. So I got out of hygiene school. I was 20 years old working in this practice. Wow. So it would have been very wow. easy for me to get crushed. They could have crushed me very easily because I didn't have any experience right. and I was in a perio practice. Yeah. So the skill set was a very different requirement than what I was doing in hygiene school. Yeah. SOPs right? all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So being in that environment, it was interesting to watch these men lead me without crushing me and really building my self-confidence into the person that they wanted to see within their practice. Right, right. I mean, it's what you, there's so many easy analogies to parenting, but that's one of them. With your kids, you want to have very high standards and high bars, but you don't want them to be so inaccessible 
that it weighs down on your kids so that your kids feel like, well, I'll never measure up, up to mom and dad's, you know, expectations of me. It has to have that blend. And that's a very difficult balance to strike. Um, but I think that's, that is the mission. The mission is to, to be that kind of a leader where you do support on the bottom end, but you hold up on the high end. And so they have to, you know, they feel, it's like they feel excited and inspired to be pleasing to you as a leader. And it might sound kind of, kind of weird, but I actually feel like that is the game. Like if I'm underneath somebody who I really respect, I want them to be happy with the way I perform. Absolutely. You know, I want to be pleasing to them that way. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a good thing. You should want that. It, it, right. Especially when it's somebody that you respect. Yeah. Right. Which I had a tremendous amount of respect for this office and the doctors that were in it. So it always gave me a confidence boost when I felt like I was hitting the metrics or the defined goals that they had for me within the practice. Yeah. If I could crush them, I was very excited about that. One of the difficulties, and I'll speak for Devin and I, again, part of this podcast is being really transparent so that hopefully people can learn from the things that we don't do well, as well as the things that somehow worked out. Um, you know, we have a lot of good ideas. And I think this is a, a contagion within dentistry as a whole and leaders as a whole. We see this out of outside of dentistry. It's in basically every industry where the visionary or the leader or the CEO has a lot of different ideas of how to better things, how to grow, how to take it to the next level. And then the follow through is not quite there. And the follow through is have the best of intentions. And yet it's like, we're going to do all these team experiences. We're going to, we're going to start to in, in, create this incentive protocol, whatever it is. And then you're just busy, you know, like it, things, you see a, a bunch of emergency patients, you're tired, you forget, you lose that, that zest, you forgot what you're even doing. Then you have to go to a CE event and you come back and you're jazzed on that. And the team is kind of left with this taste in their mouth, as you've said, compounding of like, there's just another idea and it'll never become a reality. Right. So how do you tend to, um, how do you see that happening and playing out? Cause you coach Dennis, you see this happen a ton. And what is your, what is your like one to two pieces of advice from their perspective of how to, how to combat this? So the first piece is that when you have a new idea, we have to look at it as a new project. And that's usually not how people tend to look at it hmm. as a new project. They look at it as like, this is a new idea. I am therefore responsible for building it, constructing it, developing the mission, relaying the mission to my team and taking it over the finish line. That is a monstrous project for one person to carry hmm. all on their own, especially when you're the leader of the practice as the dentist who is already doing so much in every other place. And so without a project manager, how are we supposed to get this project off the ground? Right. Now, I think the problem where I see that get a little wonky is when they think the office manager is a project manager, when they don't actually know if the office manager has experience running projects. Hmm. That is a very different thing. Projects are broken down to tasks. They are delegated to people. There is accountability. There are standards. And there are deadlines. Right. Does that person know how to actually break down a project and recruit the team to be able to take the project across the finish line? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So without that, the dentist can be really discouraged very easy because they then themselves think that they're the project manager and start to take on a huge monstrous project and it loses steam. 
And then it can be this really negative feedback loop of like, oh, I already, I always have these great ideas and somehow there's something wrong with me because I can't relay them to my team properly and take them across the finish line. When I don't think that there's anything wrong with them, it's just that there isn't the right support pieces in place and we don't ask the right questions to the point of the topic earlier of getting the right support team built for that particular project. Right. You're, you're talking about roles, essentially. Like what are the empowered positions and everyone knows what their duty is, right? Like I use sports analogies a lot, but <clears throat> you can see when a team breaks down and it's very easy to see. It's when a person didn't perform at their particular role or there's confusion about who's supposed to do what. That's when big plays are made, right? And it's, it's easy to identify on the outside, but when you're in it, it can feel very overwhelming. It's like a tangled ball and you're like, where are the ends? I got to even know how to get this thing deconstructed. Yes. Yes. That's, that's exactly it. So I, I like the term, this is a project because if you think about any other project that you would take on, if you're renovating a house, you're not just like, Hey, I'm going to hire a bunch of people who know how to build a house. And I hope you guys all communicate and get the house built. Right. There is, there's an architect, there is a design, there is a vetting process, there is a foreman, there are all of these pieces Mm -hmm. that we don't necessarily translate into running projects from the dental perspective. And then we can turn it into shame and guilt over why we're not accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish. It's funny. I was a, a fun fact, but I was a foreman for my dad's construction company. You know, I was on the job site since I was like three years old. My little toy plastic hammer, hammering things. And um, right before going to dental school to make some money and to uh, help him out, I was his foreman for a couple of years. Been working, you know, summers and uh, winter breaks since I was a little kid. But that was a really interesting experience because I obviously had this very close relationship with my dad. And it created a lot of, you know issues at certain points in time, some tension between the two of us because of different leading styles. But it was really more my fault because I I wanted to take on these projects and do them a certain way, but he had a vision and it was the communication breakdown. Mm. And it brings up an interesting piece because I think a lot of office managers are placed in the position of being a foreman of sorts. Right. And yet they either don't have the skill set to actually do that. They've never been trained that way. Or the communication between CEO, dentist, visionary to that foreman is not clear. And so what ends up happening is there's a scapegoat of some sort. So either the dentist is going to be the bad guy or gal or the office manager more often than not is deemed as the problem when the communication is all off. It's a very interesting problem that happens like all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yep. Absolutely. So so is it more of a hiring issue? Is it more of finding out the right person for the right position? Is it, is it a bit of all of that? Is it a communication style thing? What do you see in dentists that you've worked with? Where's this breakdown happening between them, office manager and project being completed? Well, I think, I think it's all of that. I think that it's all of that a lot of times. So from the other side of it, right? I remember being in offices and it's like the office manager was the person who had been there the longest. Mm. So it, it wasn't necessarily yeah, the person, tenure. right. It wasn't <laughs> necessarily the person who had been hired in the beginning for skill. And I don't know a lot of what the training had been on communication, patient experience, all of that. It was, you've been here the longest, you know me the best. I trust you the most. Therefore, will you lead my team? Mm. 
So yeah. when we are putting a person in the place of leadership based on those things, we can see how there are a lot of gaps that have not been filled that need to be filled with proper training that just never happen. And we hope that it happens along the way. You know, we have uh, Vittoria as our executive assistant and she's incredible at this, right? She Ab- is absolutely talk about someone who understands how to um, create task lists, how to make sure that everyone's doing their proper function, looking 10 steps ahead, but making sure that we're staying on step one yes. versus going to three. You know, you use the analogy of building. Uh, it's the one that everyone can identify with. If you have a foreman and they're like, okay, guys, let's get the foundation started. And then the very next day they're like, okay, where are the framers? We need to start over here. Oh, hey, we have you guys picked out, out you know outlets and stuff? like that? It's, It gets super chaotic really fast. And it's a person who's scatterbrained. V is amazing at like keeping us on task. And I think it is partly the job of a visionary to be 10, 20 steps ahead. Like that's, they need to see where's my office going to be in three years. Yes. Where are we trying to be? And Devin and I have that goal. We know in three years, we want to have an associate in there. We want them working and being super successful. And we want ourselves to be working two days a week. And we want this practice to be hitting close to seven, eight million. Those are things we've talked about. We know that. That's our two, three-year vision. But how you get there, you start to ratchet it back to like what we do today to make that happen. Right. That is not where we shine. Like we're both terrible at that. (laughs) Right, right. You need a very talented, taskless project manager. And there are certain people who have that skill set. And to your point, the person who's been there the longest that you trust the most, maybe not the right pick for this. Maybe they have zero training around that, right? Yes, right. So uh, yes, to your point, V, Victoria, are, you know, the person who keeps us on task. We were talking about this this morning because I think I've learned a lot from her working with her over the past several years about how these things get done mm-hmm. and what it takes to get done. But initially, I don't know if you remember this, but when we hired her, I I did the hiring of Victoria. Yeah. And these are none of the questions that I asked when I hired her. <laughs> That's true. So I'm I'm talking about this. You and I are talking about this from the perspective of I hired her because I liked her. Yeah. I hired her. I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you the real reason I hired her. Because our friend that we went to dental school with is an orthodontist out in Phoenix, Dr. Eric Carlucci. Oh, I remember the story. Yes. We were having this conversation because I, I didn't understand or know what Dutch Bros was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Eric was like, you don't know what Dutch bros is. I'm like, no, I don't. And he was telling me like, they have these stickers and it's this whole culture and these, they have this reputation for all their employees being extremely magnetic and vibrant and sparking conversation and just really turning your day around and also delivering coffee. Yeah. And I was like, really? A Chick-fil-A of, of uh, coffee 2.0. I right? still have never been to a Dutch bros. So I, so none of this is tested on my end, but he was just, and, and Eric is a person who researches things deeply and likes to oh, yes. piece things apart. Like what, like what are the things that make this run? So as he's telling me this, I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So when you and I started looking for an executive assistant, I found V's resume and she had been a manager at Dutch Bros. Mm-hmm. I remember and this. And we're just coming off this conversation with Eric about Dutch Bros just <laughs> delivering. And she was the manager for Dutch Bros. So I was very interested in that. Got on the phone with her and I was like, wow, I just loved her. I'm saying this now 
as knowing all the skills that she can deliver for us and has delivered and things that I've learned from her, these were not questions I asked initially. I hired like every other dentist hires. Do I like you? Do I trust you? Do I think I can work well with you? I didn't necessarily vet the skills that we are using now, that she gives us now, that we lean on her for now. I didn't vet those right. three years ago. That brings up, and this is not something we have to like dive into heavy. I think this could be a, a talk for another time. But it's something that I find myself being prone to. And uh, really most people, actually. Most people. And it's the idea that um, you make decisions based upon signs, right? So you had this conversation with with uh, Lucci, and yeah. uh, who we love, we love the Lou, and <clears throat> he's telling you about Dutch Bros, and then you oh, you see this resume, and it's about Dutch Bros, and it's there's a tendency to be like it's a sign, but what we don't realize, and we see this with Dennis all the time, they're like, oh, I'm gonna purchase this course, or I'm gonna coach, or I'm gonna whatever, and then their car breaks down or they have uh, an audit or something crazy happens in the office, right? I just lost my office manager. Okay, that's a sign. It's a sign not to say yes to this thing, right? Right. You're looking for these things, which we don't realize is subconsciously we're looking, but we're taking a poll of our environment. And what happens is that we say the sign is telling me what I was wanting in a fearful way or a hopeful way to say originally essentially what i'm getting at is a sign can say stay or go but we're not asking that question we say it's a sign and then we put the message that we always wanted subconsciously on that sign we say see there you go i think that's really uh it's in their talk for their time but that'd be an interesting thing to talk about because dentists do that i do that we all do that as human beings and assigned signs <laughs> Assigned signs, yes. And it worked out with V, right? It it totally worked out, but it very well could have not as well um, based upon that being our hiring criteria. And thank God it did work out. Well, I think, I know you said you want to talk about this later, but we're here. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have anywhere to be? (laughs) We're we're already in it. But I think David Nagel, he was one of the first ones who really taught us what that was. Mm-hmm. right it was you don't do things from a fear-based place right 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 so if you're afraid to invest the money you go for it because you're not going to say no because the no is the fear around the thing yeah and if you want to break through and you want to stop having fear take hold of you then you go and do the thing scared anyways right right and the, the thing that's required is not that you don't have fear anymore but that's where you start to get courage. That I mean, that's what courage is for. A hundred percent. Yeah. And fear is interesting because from a, like a neurotransmitter side of things, the brain processes fear and excitement the exact same way. So oftentimes you can be really excited about a decision and it scares you and you don't really know which one it is, mm-hmm. right? You have a hard time discerning. Should I not do this because I'm terrified? Like this is a bad thing, or you could be scared and jittery because you're like, "This is really need where I need to go next." And I'm excited what, about this. What has been one of your more terrifying decisions where you couldn't decipher if it was fear or excitement that that you've made? Um, great question. Uh, there's so many. I mean, one of the easy ones that comes to mind first is um, <clears throat> coaching privately. With, with David Nagel, like that was one of those where you're like, okay, wow, that, like, that was terrifying. A number of our coaches, actually, people we've worked with um, for big jumps in our business. 
um, Mike Dillard, working with Mike Dillard privately. Like those are some people that when you when you realize the amount of money you're putting into something, I think the fear is an interesting thing though because fear it, it's not that. Honestly, I don't think it's ever been a fear for me of like, will I be able to do the thing? It's more of, will I be able to say no to the things that have kept me back? Mm, Say more. Um, I don't think that people are like, when use fitness, it's an easy one, right? Everyone's thinking about that right now. All right, I want to get my my body in great shape. Okay, awesome. Sounds great. If you're afraid of spending the money on a personal coach or whatever it is, is it because you're afraid that you won't be able to get yourself into that kind of shape are you having a hard time seeing yourself that way probably not you probably have been there at one point in your life or you've seen pictures and you're like no this is this is doable this person can get me there it's not a distrust of the person or anything that way it is a distrust of yourself not to break your promise for sure right it is my thought of like when will i get sick and then say ah uh, i gotta take a couple days off and those couple days turn into a week and then you're like ah now i feel like I'm out of integrity with them and I don't want to go to them and have them see that I was kind of like, you know, dicking around and blah, blah, blah. Like, right? Like that's, it's the fear of the bad side of you, that side of you that gives in, that side of you that caves. Right. I think that's where the fear really comes from. And so when you ask that question, I it's, it's always coming up against that side of myself. It's that weaker excuse giving, excuse making side of me that I have to say, am I willing to defeat you this time around? Yeah, and, yeah. And you never get rid of that person. That person's always whispering in your ear. Always. You don't achieve a nirvana of, I never feel fear anymore. That That's such bullshit. And, you know? You're right. always going to be coming up against this. Right, right. So those are the big ones, certainly. Um, there's other ones. Uh, I think partnering with Devin, that was a big decision going back and forth. But, um, yeah, and these have been proven to be – I've never regretted – going for something i've definitely regretted my excuses of not achieving what i know i could have done in that thing so i didn't show up the way i should have and i regret not going for things uh that's really true and that that hurts because i think it hurts so much because you know that you betrayed yourself oh right it's the worst it's like betrayal is one thing when it's coming from another person when it's coming from yourself there's no one there's no one else to hold accountable like you know it's just you and you yeah yeah and so much of it is a perception. You have this perception in your head. I mean, truly successful people know that there's going to be far more failure, far more disappointment on the road to where they want to go than anything else. And the truth is that success, whatever you want to define it as, is always preceded by failure. Otherwise, it would have been success earlier. Right. You know, so it's part of the part of the journey. But you, I think we talked about this on the last podcast, but you have to be able to hold both. Yes. Right? You can't be, yes. you can't be a person like you have to hold the reciprocal of what you want. I always go back to mm. that because okay. it's, it's, more about that. it's just so true. Well, you can't say, okay, I want to, well, I want to make a million dollars. Okay, great. Well, how many patients need to be served? How do you, how much do you need to grow your team by to be able to do that and keep mm-hmm. the experience, the patient experience at the level that you've committed to? How does your interaction and conversation with patients change when you're presenting treatment? How does saying a price, it is $60,000 for a full mouth rehab, or you're saying, well, we need to do more, you know, you need to do 
quadrant dentistry. I need to focus on total health. And now I have to have an awkward conversation with you because last year, maybe I wasn't talking with that. Mm -hmm. So holding the reciprocal means that, yes, we know that you can hold a million dollars. We know that you'd be fine with, you know, you drop a million dollars into anybody's lap, they would be happy with it. And can you hold the reciprocal of what it takes to match that million? Yeah. Can you hold the pressure? Can you hold the team? Can you hold the level of treatment that you need to provide for your patients? Can you hold balancing that with your health and with your family? Can you hold the reciprocal? And so when you start to get a lot of the things that are reciprocal, those to me are prove it moments that you can hold that on your way to holding the thing that you really want. You bring up a phenomenal uh, segue back into the team piece here, I think actually. You know, we all have... Whatever our level of success, it is equal to the amount of responsibility that we carry, right? There's, an, there's, a, there's a verse that I love when it says, to whom much is given, much more is required. The more you have, the more is required of you. And the less you have, the less that's required of you. And so it's a choice. At every stage in the game, it's a choice. Do you want to take on more? You can take on more, you get a bigger reward. Well, with team, you see this sometimes. Not with everyone. I, I, I think you can have amazing team members that really get it. But there's a number that, for no other reason than their own ignorance of business, can feel entitled. Because, say, the business grew and the business did more. In their thinking, it's, well, the company made more, so I should get more. Because I was part of that company. I helped get the, to this point. Right. And from a logical perspective, it seems like, yeah, sure, cool, great. But there's about 3,000 factors that go into building a business and growing it. And we all know this as business owners, um, if you've had any proximity to it, that oftentimes you can grow, but you can lose money. And the reason for that is to grow, you have to invest. And so there's a capital expenditure that exceeds the profit margin because you're in transition. You have not realized those profits yet. Right. And... That's not something that the layperson knows. That's not something that most dentists understand. For sure. For sure. So going back to, you know, being 20, being a hygienist and being in this booming practice, yeah. you and I had this conversation last night where mm. I had went to my doctors and I said, I don't understand why as a hygienist, I do not get paid for the week off between Christmas and New Year's. Mm. Okay, because the assistants were in the, the, the front desk yes, and such? Yes, everybody okay. was paid except for the hygienist for that week off. Yeah. And I, I didn't understand why. And I remember one of my doctors sitting down with me and said, you're a producer, do you understand what that means? And it was like, well, I mean, kind of. Like, you know, I, <laughs> I, I make money and I bring it to the practice. Okay, well, when you're not producing, no money is being made for the practice. And we had this conversation and I remember it, right? I'm, this is 20 years later. And I remember that conversation because it was a new understanding of something that I didn't understand before. And in that moment, I could have been like, well, this is no fair, right? That's the natural response. This is no fair. But what he taught me in that conversation was that I was a producer. Yeah. I didn't know I was a producer. I'm a producer. Okay, cool. So what does that mean? That actually means that I have quite a lot of value. Mm -hmm. So if I can understand what that is, then I'm not going to come to you being like, why don't I get the, my paid time off, I can come to you with a different conversation. Okay. Well, if I produce, if I produce more, what does that mean? And now we were in a whole new conversation and I remember it because it felt like something that I just didn't understand. And when he unlocked that for me, 
now I was able to have new conversations I wasn't able to have before. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really cool. What you're describing essentially is, you know, you have on one side of the spectrum entitlement and entitlement has a you know really bad connotation to it. But I would suggest that it's really more a byproduct of ignorance because it's a, it's a way of thinking. It's not a way of being entitlement is a way of thinking. Now, if you're exposed to the truth, empowerment, right? That's what Versman and Heller gave you in Glick. They, they gave you yes. a different perspective, which then gave you the, the, the chance to take responsibility, right? Yes. If entitlement's on one side of the spectrum and empowerment's on the other, and those are ways of thinking, the way of being is your decision based upon that new information. Yes. So if you decide, no, oh, screw that. That doesn't seem fair to me still. And you've been exposed to the truth, you're now a victim. And a victim can't be helped. Right. But if you instead are a victor, because you see it and you're like, okay, I can do something with this. That means I could actually produce more. Yes, there's bigger risk, but there's bigger reward. And I like that. And if that's the kind of person you are and it speaks to you, then like that's what empowerment is. It's, it's taking you to someplace. So Yes. And there was something else interesting about that. As a leader, what did he do? It wasn't like... Well, you're not getting one end of story. It was like, let me show you what you don't understand. Yeah. What don't yeah. you understand about this? And let me help you see that. And that was incredible for me. In the story that you told me too, it, he asked you some questions as well. So was, there's a side of it where he was inviting you into it. It wasn't just like, let me slap you upside the head and, you know, prove you wrong. And I think that honestly is where a lot of us can come from. A lot of dentists can be, we're defensive. We're, de- we're that with patients, Right patient says something about the money that you're making and you're like, I'm driving a Corolla, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah, I yeah. carpool with my partner. Okay. <laughs> right. You know, um, that is, it's an opportunity for you to do one of two things. You can get defensive and reactionary and they'll feel that energy. Just FYI. They always do. We talked about that in the last call as well. But the other side of it is you can own it, you know, and when you own that, it just, they have no power over you. And that's a very different place to be because you can make a new decision. And so I think as this going back to our idea and concept of team, the more a dentist can understand the phrase, my responsibility. And that responsibility not meaning what you said in the beginning, which I love. It's not I have to do everything. Responsibility doesn't mean I do everything. It means that the buck stops with you. Right. That's different. Yes. Right? So... I would suggest, and for everyone listening, I think this is really important, right? Write this down. When you come to any skill set that's required in your practice, you either need to discipline yourself to be masterful at that, or you need to delegate. It's one of the two things. And by and large, I think that a lot of dentists are not good at leading teams. And so you need a lot of help on that front. And honestly, it's a skill set that very few people have. Right. You get a team to 10 members and plus, actually five or six and plus, that's really hard to manage on top of all the patients, on top of the finances, on top of materials, on top of production and collections. And you go through all the things like, holy moly. And then learning still and pushing yourself and taking care of your family. That's a million responsibilities, which is when we burn out. Yep. Especially if you want to do other things too, right? We've talked about dentists really being multi-passionate people. So it's like they also have these other, not even interests, but things that they're truly masterful at. Yeah. 
right? That they're, they're pursuing on top of that. And so in order to have a full life, we've got to start looking at what does our support system look like? What does our support team look like? Who are we bringing in to help us carry the load? Help. Like it is not a bad word. Like sometimes you just need help. And the people who know how to do that, Elon Musk is not building his rocket ships, you know? (laughs) far beyond that and honestly he's probably never lifted a finger much in that regard at all but he's very very intelligent about getting good a players into those positions and then expecting enormous amounts from them and i think what people don't realize too is that really like if you find an a player they want more you wanted more you're an a player and so I, i know like in your practice when he gave you that enlightenment you ran with it and you became a favorite employee because you crushed. Now, somebody else might have chosen something totally different, but you and I are both built that way where it's like, okay, I mastered that. Give me more. Like I, I want to consume. I want to be better. I want to grow. Right. Those are the people that you want to work with. Yes. And it doesn't mean every person on your team has to have that mentality, but if they're not going to have that mentality, they shouldn't be a producer and they shouldn't be in a place of responsibility. They are a, a grunt. And that's fine. Some offices, you need that, right? You need the person who's going to go through and take care of some things. And I know that sounds bad to some people, but I think that that's really the truth. Some people are meant to have a lower responsibility. (laughs) She's looking at me like I'm saying something terrible, (laughs) which I probably am. But I think at different levels, that's true, right? Like if you're sitting there and maybe you have an office, I'll give an example. Maybe I'll prove my point. Maybe I'll just stick my foot right in my mouth. If you're in a crazy office, that is super busy and you have 10, 12 ops going, you need somebody who is breaking rooms down, setting rooms up and sterilizing. Yeah. That was, my that's a position. Yeah. That was my first job. That was my first job in dentistry. You don't need that person to be like, please give me more. And like, let me be responsible for 10 other things. No, you actually want a person who's very focused, throw in the earbuds do the job. It totally like right? a clock in clock out. Like, let me, 100%. I mean, and we all like those tasks at some moment too, because sometimes we don't want to be deep thinkers, right? We all 100. like those tasks where we can get them and we can say like it's something that I can knock out, feel really good about it, Like cleaning the damn garage, like something right. where it's like, let me organize it, get in there, clean it. And there's completion to that yes, job. Right? And like, there's completion. It's extremely satisfying. It's, it's not too different actually than like most ceramics and lab techs. They have that idea of like, I want to be in my space. I want to solve my problems. I want them to be complete and I want to shift them out. And so a person who starts there may be really good at that role and then decide once they've done really well at that, that then they want more, but they may not. And that's, I think there needs to be room for that person to stay where they are or go somewhere else. For sure. And take on more. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. One of the questions, this is like not on topic at all, but. One of the questions I used to ask people is, what would you do as far as your career if all jobs were paid the same and you can do anything that you wanted? Mm. Okay. Okay. So at the time, I was a hygienist in Hatch, New Mexico, which does not even have a stoplight. And I was working at a public health clinic there. Very good green chili. And very good green chili. And I was working at a public health clinic there and I would carpool with the dentist that I worked with. Mm And her husband was a psychiatrist there as well. So sometimes he would carpool. Yeah. So I remember asking him this question, and this is a psychiatrist. So I'm expecting some kind of answer that, you know, I, I would be like, what, what is it? You hear all these people's problems all day. You get to <laughs> dive into the inner workings of the human mind and all of its 
curiosities and depravity. And he was like, you know what I would be? And I was like, what? He's like, I would be a mailman. I would be, (laughs) I would be a mailman. And it was that I would just put my earbuds in and deliver mail and, you know, walk around, you know, cardio, steady state cardio, good health. I, <laughs> yeah. And I just remember thinking, that's the coolest answer I've ever heard. Yeah. I would be. <laughs> Zen. That <sounds> great. <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially when you deal with people a lot. Sometimes it just feels like, oh, if I could just shut off the world. It's like, just take that dial and. And totally. everything goes silent. It'd be like, I, oh, I thought that I thought that answer was so insightful and so good. I've never I've asked a lot of people that question, but his answer is one that I have never forgotten because I was yeah. just like, yeah. you are a genius. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and well, and to add to the idea of being a dentist that then knows how to delegate and ask for help, sometimes your help needs help. So if we're talking about team members, it's also understanding what you just described. Like you can sometimes put too much on that person at that particular junction without the proper training or without the proper support system that they need, you know? I mean, largely in dentistry, and this is just a generalization, but it's very true, most of the support system is female. And they're going to have particular needs and requirements that sometimes you don't understand. You don't know how to, because of your position as a dentist, you may not hear or see or understand what they're going through. And so them having a support system too is super helpful, you know, and it's, you don't just keep piling on and expecting crazy things of them. And, and then they want to do that. They want to perform and they burn out. And we've experienced that. We've, right. we've had team members who are like, I really want to take care of all this for you, but I'm getting crushed, you know, or maybe something happened on their home front and they're trying to keep, you know, working home separate. Right. But like, those are things that I don't think we sometimes are aware of. I'm guilty of that. And um, it's super helpful for them to have an outlet and, and that outlet to be something that supports not just them, but also the vision. For sure. That all of these things are rowing in the same direction. hundred percent. Yeah. That yeah. as, as you're, you're getting better, your team is also getting better. And the, the idea that all ships rise. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know, <clears throat> if we really look at what we're talking about today as kind of a recap, I, I do think that for most practitioners, you have to understand that you have um, next to zero training when it comes to case acceptance, patient communication, and sales. Like aside from being able to talk to your your friends and your family, um, the communication that goes into actually presenting treatment, you have next to no training around that. You then take it towards leadership. Unless you were a manager of some sort prior, you probably have very little training, if any at all, in how to balance a bunch of employees keeping them happy but also like we started out with like high expectations but also the support on the lower end that is a skill set that either you have to acquire or you have to i don't want to say shop out but you have to be very you have to be very um careful perhaps in choosing how you're going to to train that would you agree yeah absolutely absolutely because um the dentist really sets the vision. Again, going back to the dentist CEO sets the vision and then finding the proper people who align to support that vision is really important. Mm-hmm. What happens is some dentists can make the mistake of, I don't want to deal with this at all. Therefore, I'm going to hire somebody and I would like you to set the vision. And then there's this rift that happens because what the dentist actually wants and what the new person, right, the new 
coach, consulting company, whatever it is, what they want, those two things are complete yeah. opposite. And now the team is like, but you know, uh, Dr. Dietrich, you don't like it done this way, but the consultant is telling us to do it this way. And it makes a scheduling. Yes. And it makes, yes. And it makes a complete mess out of the office Mm -hmm. and you're also paying for that mess. Yeah. And you have all sorts of people rowing in different directions. And now you've tried to hire out a problem that you were hoping was going to improve and it's made it worse. And then you've got to untangle, you've got to untangle that, pay money and untangle that pay, you know, in your time, energy, efforts, headache. And then that can feel very, very defeating when you really put forth a solid effort to solve a very difficult problem and you kick yourself in the butt because you're, you're looking at it and you're like, I'm worse off than where I started. One of the things that you're bringing up, that's actually really interesting. <clears throat> and again, this is not a, this is a knock on anyone or anything, but I do think it's interesting to note that most, most teams, if they're going to work with a consulting company or a coach or whatever, you know, the, it's usually not someone who has held the position of a dentist. So they might understand what it likes, it's like to be an assistant or what it's like to be a hygienist. But you have to understand that there is a hierarchy in any practice there should be. That is leadership, right? There's a quarterback and then there are all the other players. And so you've got to know how to communicate the vision up and down that hierarchy. And it's really important that 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 message is communicated from a vision perspective, like you said, and that the team understands how to best support that vision. And that going back and forth between CEO, visionary, and dentist to the team below, it's just, it's something that experience really, it requires. And I think for Devin and I, we've experienced this a number of times where um, we're so passionate about our vision and what we want that we will sometimes outwork a problem. Yes. And that's because there's a failure on the support side. But like I said, it's not a knock against the support team. What actually has happened is that we didn't delegate well, right? We didn't train well and we didn't have the system to help convey our messages dentists to our team because no one understood that, that communication style. Right. And so it can be something like a patient experience and because they rely on us to do what we always do, they don't do it. And it's, again, not a knock. It's just that that's, that's what we all do as human beings. We are going to find the path of least resistance. Yeah, I think this conversation, that's a good thing to just put in. This is not a place to like feel shame or guilt. No. You and I have been through every variety of this. So a lot of what we're saying has come at the expense of us finding it out the hard way. Big time. Us finding it out truly the hard way. And yeah, to your point, there's a lot to be said for communication because when you feel like you're in a battle with somebody, right, you want to be right. You need to see things my way. You need to see things my way. Mm-hmm. The other thing about dentistry is it's really fast moving. So oh, when, when gosh, you are yes. saying, you know, when you have a stacked schedule and you're also doing exams there and, and you need, to your point, you have an assistant that you don't have anymore, you're replacing that position as soon as possible. And so really for the dentists who are listening, give yourself some grace because dentistry moves at the speed of light (laughs) and you're trying to build everything simultaneously. Yeah. And so as we're talking about slowing down and making more intentional hires, as we're talking about bringing in really strategic support team, that's coming from a place of us doing it where we did it 
with warm bodies. Just put somebody in. Can they (laughs) hold this? Can they do this? And sometimes it's working out and sometimes it's not. But at this stage in the game, you and I are really focused on being much more intentional with how we build and who we build with yeah versus trying to keep it just keep the machine running and i think that's that's it like that's a perfect thing to to kind of wrap this up in a bow which is if you find that things aren't working that's like a great first place you know just know it you have to be able to identify and be aware that "Ah, something's not working here you know and to your point you don't have to judge yourself or feel super guilty and that shouldn't come from responsibility. Responsibility is not meant to make you feel guilty about what you didn't do. It's to help you take power back. Yes. And then give that power either back to yourself or to find the right help. And, uh, you know, saying what I said, I think Devin and I would largely just say it's our, it's our bad. We need to do better on this front, but better shouldn't necessarily always look like more, especially in a busy office. Like you brought up, we have a very busy office and as a result, we're exhausted by the end of the day. Right. I mean, dentists that have come out to see our practice, they're like, how in the world? How do you do this? And granted, we work three days a week. But, you know, those three days feel like three weeks. And <clears throat> you can feel completely beat down. And when something's not working in a system, the last thing you want to do is go try to fix that in your off hours. You know? like For sure. Heck no. But... You also don't want to get to that place where you're like, well, it'll just work itself out or we'll deal with it and it's a big fire. And that's what most dentists do because we're too tired and there isn't an outlet. There isn't a solution. So it's an interesting thing to, to play with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah. hopefully this conversation inspired you to have some insights instead of just being like, oh my gosh, now I have this monster problem, <laughs> monster problem on my lap and happy new year to you too. <laughs> That's what we do around here. We just drop bombs and And, help you figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) And hit publish on the podcast and have a great day. (laughs) Yeah. I think it always starts here. It always starts with kind of seeing these things. And and hopefully, actually, what I would hope that people hear is that obviously, Devin and I have a great practice and there's lots of you that are listening have amazing practices as well. Um, Financially, as well as the time that you have, the culture that you've created, all the things. And none of them are sans problems. Um, and most problems in life come down to people, right? It's it, that's just it with patience, with parenting, with the relationships, whatever. It's it's always that. That's the greatest tension for us as human beings. So hopefully you just see that like you're not alone. Like we all go through these things. We all experience it. We may not have answers all the time, and we may have some answers, but just feel seen. Uh, that would be my goal for this podcast. Hopefully, for sure. So. Well, happy 2024 to everybody who stayed with us and listened. If you like this podcast, please rate it. Leave us a comment. Drop us an email. Hello at thethrivedentist.com. We always want to hear from you, hear what is going on in your mind and anything that you want us to particularly tackle or talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Give it, give it a rating. We'd love that. And uh, let's start the mailbag, you know, just send us some, some questions and thoughts and we'll, we'll toss them in here. So thanks for listening.